Well, hello, RYBC family. Um, welcome to uh, Reflections in the Book of Jeremiah. As you know, I made mention in the newsletter that I wanted to um, kind of give a midweek devotional, so to speak, um, that you could watch um, with your family or by yourself and, um, and just think about the truths that we're going to be looking at in Jeremiah. Um, I, I want to be clear. Um, this isn't going to be a, an expositional unfolding of Jeremiah. I'm not going to be breaking down uh, the text um, chapter by chapter. But um, what I thought was during this time of isolation um, that we're all experiencing, uh, being in our homes, I wanted to uh, give some time to reading reading books of the Bible that I'm, I'm less familiar with. And so the first book that came to my mind was actually Jeremiah. And, um, and so I thought that's what I would do is just go through Jeremiah, read it. But then I thought, well, why not share some of my insights or some of my reflections as I go through the book of Jeremiah with the members of Royal York Baptist Church. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm attempting to do here with these short videos. I, I want to give theological reflection uh, from truths that are contained in this book uh, called Jeremiah, um, written by Jeremiah, that might inform us on who God is, how he works, um, but also who we are as his followers and how we are to live and how we are to relate to him, living as Christians in a modern society like ours. So, um, what I want to do before we actually get into Jeremiah is just kind of give you a, a little bit of the historical context. Though we're not going to be unpacking Jeremiah chapter by chapter, I do think it's important for you to understand a little bit of the historical context, just so that Jeremiah, the book, isn't in the clouds, but there it's on the earth. It's, it's historical. So Jeremiah, he prophesies. To Israel and the nations for 40 years. That's how long his ministry is. He ministers during the reign of the last five kings of Judah. So the first king that he um, ministers uh, during is uh, King Josiah. So, so Jeremiah begins to do his ministry in the 13th year of the reign of King Josiah. Now, as you know, Jeremiah is, is the last godly king in Judah. He follows God's ways. He does what is pleasing to the Lord. But after him, uh, Je Jehoahaz comes into power in Judah. And Jehoahaz only reigns for about three months because Egypt actually comes in and removes him as king. And they replace Jehoahaz with uh, Jeho Jehoiakim. Now, Jehoiakim, he ends up reigning for 11 years. And of course, if you read 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, Jehoiakim does what is evil in the eyes of the Lord. So he reigns 11 years. And of course, Jeremiah is ministering during this time as well. He dies. And then after him, so this is going to get a little confusing, Jehoiakim begins to reign. So Jehoiakim reigns for 11 years, and then Jehoiakim reigns after Jehoiakim, 
and he only reigns for three months as well. And he, of course, does what is displeasing to the Lord. And then finally, the, the last king of Israel, or the last king of Judah, before the Babylonian captivity happens, is Zedekiah. And Zedekiah reigns for 11 years, and then judgment comes. Babylon basically destroys Jerusalem and takes many of the people of Israel into captivity into Babylon. So that's kind of the historical context that gives you a picture of, of the time in which Jeremiah is, is a prophet uh, to God's people. The themes of the book um, primarily have to do with judgment and mercy. Um, God is raising up Jeremiah to warn the people of God, Israel, of the coming judgment. They have forsaken God in his ways. They have worshipped idols. Um, they have oppressed their own people. They have committed all kinds of sexual immorality. And so God calls Jeremiah to prophesy to the people, to warn the people of judgment, and, and to actually call the people to repentance, to, to turn to the Lord. And if they do, God will relent from his judgment. Now, of course, Israel doesn't repent. And, and so God brings judgment and he raises up the nation of Babylon to actually judge his own people. But, but the book of Jeremiah isn't only about judgment. It, it's also about mercy and love and covenant faithfulness and restoration. God is committed, despite Israel's covenant infidelity, God is committed to showing mercy. He's committed to restoring Israel as a people. But not only that, as, as you go through Jeremiah, it, his picture of salvation expands. God's picture of salvation expands. You see this international people that God will call to himself, and he will accomplish this through establishing a new covenant, which we, of course, know as Christians is, is fulfilled in Christ. He is the one who establishes the new covenant through his death and resurrection. So that's really the, the themes, the main themes going through the, the book of Jeremiah. Now I want to begin in chapter 1. And specifically in chapter 1 we see the call of Jeremiah where, where God calls Jeremiah for the appointed task that he has given him. And I just want to look at really verse 5 with you all. I'm going to read verse 4 and 5, but just focus in on verse 5. Now the word of the Lord came to me, that is Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Before Jeremiah was formed, knit together in his mother's womb, God says he knew him. Not only that, he, he says, before you were born, I consecrated you. That is, I set you apart and, and I appointed you a prophet to the nations. You, you are to be my mouthpiece to the nations. Now, all I want to do with this verse is to ask ourselves, what truths does this verse reveal to us about God how he works and about us. So the first thing that I want us to see, the first truth that I want us to see from this verse 
is God's sovereignty, God's sovereign reign, specifically in this context over Jeremiah's life. He is sovereign over his life, and by implication, he is sovereign over our lives. He knew Jeremiah. He knew him before he actually ever came into existence in time and in history. Before he was conceived, God already knew Jeremiah. What does that mean? Well, it simply means this. God had Jeremiah in his mind in eternity past. Jeremiah existed in the mind of God before he came into existence in human history. God knew who Jeremiah was. He had a plan for Jeremiah. He designed Jeremiah. He knew who his parents would be. He knew the things that he would face in life. He knew Jeremiah before he was ever formed. But it's not just mere intellectual knowledge. This word knowing in the Bible often has this idea of intimacy. God knew you. He knows you intimately. That's why, for example, in Romans 8, when Paul, speaking about Christians, we're told that God foreknew those whom he predestined. That is, he foreknew them, not merely in a knowledge sense, but in a for-loving sense. I knew you before the foundation of the world. So Jeremiah was known by God, but not only that, we're told that before he was ever born, God set him apart. He consecrated him. And he set him apart, as we see here, for a purpose. What was his purpose? I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So God gave Jeremiah a purpose before he had ever been born. So God knew him. God consecrated him, set him apart, and called him for a purpose before he was ever born. Now, I realize that none of us are specifically Jeremiah, and none of us have been called by God to be a prophet to the nations or to speak to Israel, for example, and to warn them of judgment and to warn them and to also tell them of the great salvation that God is going to bring. But as Christians, there is a similar call upon our lives. We know from the New Testament that God knew us. He knew us before we were ever created. He foreloved us before the foundations of the world. And not only that, when he saved us in Christ Jesus, he consecrated us. He set us apart as his own people. But he has also given us, as his followers, a purpose. We are called to live for the glory of Jesus Christ. We are called to magnify Jesus Christ. For example, in, in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, this is what the Apostle Peter writes about Christians. He says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a set-apart, a consecrated nation, a people for his own possession. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. See, God has given us as Christians a purpose. He has called us. He has set us apart. He knew us before the foundations of the world. And we have been given a divine purpose 
from God to proclaim the excellencies, all that is beautiful about Christ. God is sovereign, not only over Jeremiah's life, but over our lives. He knew us. He called us. He's given us a purpose. There is nothing that can thwart the purposes of God in our lives. So, we see God's sovereignty here in Jeremiah's life. The second thing I want us to see is this verse undermines our our modern understanding of individual autonomy. We have this idea, living in this modern society, that that we are the determiners of our own destiny. That we're in control of our own lives. We get to dictate what happens to us and, and what we will accomplish. I hope this pandemic will remind us that we actually have very little control over our lives. You see, it's, a, it's about my dreams and, and living my life and accomplishing my goals and my purpose and, and what I want to do with life. But this verse undermines that. God had a purpose for Jeremiah before he was ever born. God knew him before he was ever born. You see, God has a purpose for our lives. And his purposes will not be thwarted by, by our false ideas of self determination. Not only that, the, the barriers and, and struggles in life that we often face, the many sufferings, the trials, the tribulations, those things will not keep God from accomplishing his purposes in us. In fact, those things are part of God's plan and purposes in our lives. Now, you have to understand just how comforting this truth in verse 5 would have been for Jeremiah. You, if you know anything about the story of Jeremiah, he's often described as the, the weeping prophet. And the reason is, is because throughout the book, he, he weeps. And it's partly due to the fact that he goes through a serious conflict. He faces intense opposition. But I actually think a better name for Jeremiah would be the persevering prophet. He's about to have 40 years of preaching to the people of God, to Israel. And in those 40 years, only three people respond in repentance and faith toward God. So, so for basically 40 years of preaching that God has called him to two, called him to, he primarily faces opposition and hostility. There is no real success according to our worldly standards. And you can only imagine throughout these 40 years the moments where Jeremiah begins to doubt. In fact, you're, we're going to see later on, Jeremiah takes issue with God. Because he's preaching and, and he's facing all this opposition and, and, and people aren't changing. People aren't responding rightly. And so you can only imagine in those 40 years how often these words might have come to Jeremiah's mind to encourage him, to remind him, don't give up because God has called you to this purpose. You see, you can only imagine how these words 
from God would have sustained, strengthened, empowered him for the task of preaching to people who did not want to hear. In a sense, these, these words at the beginning of Jeremiah that God speaks to him would have been like a foundation for Jeremiah to stand upon. Even though people aren't responding, even though they're not listening, God has known me and he has set me apart and he has called me to proclaim his word to Israel and to the nations. See, brothers and sisters, God knew us. He's known us before the foundation of the world. He's consecrated us. He's set us apart for his purposes. And no matter what we face in this life, his purposes will stand. And this truth can be so comforting to our souls. Because when we get discouraged, when we feel like nothing is happening the way we want it to happen, we hold on to God's promises. He knew us. He set us apart. He has called us to be his holy people to proclaim the excellencies of Christ. Well, that's really all I want to share with you um, this afternoon. And so I hope that this encourages you through this season of waiting. I hope that you would ponder God's sovereignty, trust that he knows you and loves you, trust that he set you apart, and that he has called you to proclaim his excellencies. So let me pray for us now as we end. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that even though we can't gather as your people, we can still share with one another through your word. And we thank you for the prophet Jeremiah, God, and how you called him for a great task. And we thank you that through his life, there's much to learn from. We thank you, God, that you are truly sovereign over our lives. You, you reign not only our lives, but you reign over the lives of all people, and you reign over the nations, you reign over this pandemic. And Lord, we also thank you that you have set us apart, you've called us, you've saved us through the blood of Christ, and you've called us for a purpose, and that is to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. And so help us to do that with both word and with deed. We pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, thanks for listening, and um, I'm not sure where we'll be next week in Jeremiah, but I'm looking forward to it. God bless you all. Bye.